Well, hello everyone and welcome again to the Knowing God podcast, where we encourage those who know Father God and invite those who don't. My name is Chris Kimmons and uh, this is episode two and we are absolutely thrilled to have with us today Mr. Jeff Kirrier. Now, I have to say I've known Jeff for some time and yet I there is so much of his story that I don't know. So we've had a little quick chat beforehand while we've tried to fix a few of the technicalities around here. But I am so excited to ask Jeff about his relationship with God and what that feels like and what that's been like. And God bless him, he has just retired. So Jeff, <laughs> let's let's start there. Welcome first of all. You've just retired. Tell tell us a bit about that. Yes, I have just retired, uh, having worked with Kent Police for the last 14 years. Um, effectively, my retirement is in November, but I've got a bit of annual leave, so uh, my last day of work was uh, on Tuesday the 6th of September, and I'm not going back to work, so I am retired. Amazing. And did you uh, crack any big crimes on Tuesday? Um, I would like to say yes, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, Jeff, I don't actually know anything about how you ever came to have any kind of encounter with God. So can you um, just tell me, what was your first awareness that maybe there even was a God? Because first of all, um, growing up um, with my mother, who was a church-going um, person um, she loved God but I won't say um, going to church as a child was the time when I had an encounter with God I would say uh, the first proper encounter with God would have been on uh, the 21st of March 1993 then I was serving as a police officer in Uganda uh, heavily addicted to alcohol and many other things, um, and I, I was a functioning alcoholic. Let's put it that way. And so, the day started like another day. Saturday, by nine a.m. in the morning, I was already drunk. And so it happened that uh, my uncle, who was a pastor and still a pastor in Uganda, uh, Pastor Fred Chimbagaya came over to my house. He'd come to visit a Christian nearby and he thought he would pop into my house to say hello. And when he got in, it broke his heart to see his uh, nephew, you know, drunk at 9 a.m. in the morning. And um, how, how old were you at this time, Jeff? Uh, 1993. I was born in 66. I'm not very good with the math, but... <laughs> <laughs> About 27, somewhere around there. Yeah, around there. So, so he... He said to me, and I remember the words clearly, he said, um, it breaks my heart seeing you wasting your life like that. Why don't you try Jesus? Now, if I'm being honest with you, I didn't like being told anything to do with Jesus. I wasn't seeking uh, Jesus. I was happy in quotes, the way I was. And uh, I did tell him I'll think about it, but I just wanted him to go so that I can go back and have fun with my friends. And um, he's gone away. I've come back and told my friends, and I said to them, you know, 
the guy who came was my uncle. Guess what he told me? He told me about Jesus and we laughed. Because it's just strange to talk about Jesus when you're having fun. Anyway, so he's gone away. I remember this was 9 a.m. in the morning. So we carry on drinking until 2 a.m. in the morning. So about 15 hours of drinking and real hard stuff that we're talking about here. And um, I remember waking up two hours later. And that in itself was a miracle. You don't drink for such a long time and wake up two hours later. And I felt sober. It was strange. And uh, I, I remember the first thing when I opened my eyes, I could hear the same words that my uncle said to me, why don't you try Jesus? And it seemed as if, as if they were repeating themselves over and over and over again. And before I knew it, I'd got off my bed and I was kneeling beside my bed. And I remember saying, if there is a God out there who saves, then please come and save me. And instantly, there was this overwhelming sense of peace, quietness, stillness. And the way I look at it, it felt like the things that I was trying to find in drinking alcohol and doing all the things that I used to do um, was satisfied in that moment. And for me, that was the very first encounter with God. And it is one that I can never forget. So, God, you felt you encountered God. Um, and what... Like you said, you felt this overwhelming sense of peace, and uh, did, did what else happened in that in that moment and in the ensuing like next twenty four hours or whatever? Okay, then um, after that, I don't remember much, but I kind of just went back to sleep. And uh, being a Sunday, it would have been you know the normal routine: wake up, brush your teeth, have breakfast, and start drinking again. But I woke up in the morning and still had that sense of peacefulness, uh, sense of feeling satisfied, fulfilled within me. And uh, there was no desire even to drink or do the things that uh, I used to find satisfaction in, like drinking, smoking. And um, I lived with a friend of mine at the time called Peter, uh, who also was involved in drinking and everything like that. And I remember him waking up and saying, so what do we do? And I said to him, you know what? I gave my life to Jesus last night and uh, I don't feel like drinking. And the shock on his face <laughs> said it all. And so, uh, you know, we had so many other friends. They kept on coming around because uh, at the time I, I, I was employed and most of them were. So I was the one who financed all the drinking. So they were coming around so that we'd go drinking. And everyone who came, Peter would be the first one to say, you know what, something unique, something weird happened to this young man. He's given his life to Jesus. Wow. Yes, so I know without a shadow of doubt that God broke my addiction to alcohol, uh, smoking. Um, I had anger management issues as well. And 
I just got, you know, changed me completely in that one instant of having that encounter with God that night. So have you, um, have you smoked since? No. Wow. And and drinking? Do you, do you drink now or not? Or well, I I uh, for if I since I became a Christian for ten years, I never ever touched alcohol. Wow. And then I came over here to the UK, and obviously they do social drinking here. And um, I I drink socially, but I wouldn't say I'm addicted because I've 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 gone four years without touching alcohol, the last four years. Wow, that is incredible. And so there'll be some people who could be listening who say, well, do you know what? You just had you just had a funny turn in the night, but it was just a bit of a positive funny turn. Is that, is that possible, really, that it wasn't necessarily God you encountered, but, yeah, some weird medical thing? It's definitely... Uh, an encounter with God, because as I said, um, it's not every day that you drink for 15 hours and wake up two hours later and you're feeling sober. Like I said, I don't, I wasn't seeking for God. Even the invitation to try Jesus was met with a lot of resistance. I must say, even when I first heard those words of, why don't you try Jesus? There was a resistance and it wasn't even an act of intentionally going on my knees. To, it's not something that I would have done. So I know without a doubt that it was an encounter with God. Um, and that was followed up actually the following day, going to see my uncle in the city, the uncle who told me to yeah, try Jesus. Yeah. And I said to him, you know what, uncle, I gave my life to Jesus. Even he was shocked. <laughs> he couldn't believe what I was telling him. And uh, I think he didn't know what to say because he knew, he knew me very well. Um, and the fact that he'd spoken to me the day before and come the next day. And he said, go away and come back in the evening and we will talk more. So I went away, came back in the evening and he said, come with me. So he took me to the church. Uh, he, was a, he was his church at the time. And uh, he introduced me to his pastor and told me what happened. And the pastor led me into a prayer, if it were, as it were, uh, inviting Jesus into my life. But for me, I know that it, that was in the moment that yeah. I invited Jesus. Yeah. It was the time when I knelt beside my bed and invited Christ into my life. And so is <clears throat> clearly with the um alcohol and and smoking etc i can i can see that um your life was different from that moment on but was there was your life markedly different from that moment on in other ways what 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 was that like my life changed completely um and i say that because not only do I see that change, but I did mention about my friend Peter, who I have had known for 20 odd years before I gave my life to Christ up to the moment he is not a Christian. But every single time I meet Peter and we meet somebody new, he is the first person to introduce me to those people by saying, you know what, this is my friend Jeffrey, 
God is real. He saves. He saved this man. Wow. And this is comes from a person who doesn't even believe in Jesus. That's how he introduces me every single time. So it is there for all to see, not just myself, but even my unbelieving friends, that God transformed my life uh, in that one instant. So um, it may seem a bit like that there was this amazing moment that happened all those years ago, a number of years ago now, nearly, must be nearly 30 years ago, 28 years ago. Is there a change that happened in you or is it that you're still um, effectively dining out on that moment, that initial moment of encounter with God? Um, so from the moment, from that moment, um, so I found a church that I went to um, and uh, I was introduced to the basics of, of the Christian life. Mostly emphasis was on reading the word of God. And do you know when, as a believer over the years, you know, you, you read the word of God, say for instance, that scripture that says my, you know, peace I give to you, my peace I live with you, not yeah. Yeah. as the world gives, yeah. but as I give unto you, uh, do not fear and do not worry, that scripture. The first time I read that scripture, I felt God pointing to that moment when I had an encounter with him in the fact that there is this peace that he can give to you. So nothing in my circumstances from when I went to bed had changed. Yeah. But in that moment of encountering him, it seemed that there is a remarkable difference between the Jeffrey who went to bed at 2 a.m. <laughs> and the Jeffrey after that. Yeah. And th that... It is moments like that when you read scripture and you see it actually coming alive into your life or pointing to something that happened in your life. And that has been my life in trying to read the word and getting to know God. Yeah. And of course, in a moment, I'll be sharing a few testimonies about some of the key moments in my Christian work with God. And so when you, um, just to clarify, when you talk about reading the word of god you're talking about a bible right yes that's right <clears throat> so i remember years ago <laughs> at a church i was at many years ago we used to sing this song um that went just one touch from the king changes everything and it sounds like <laughs> that is definitely key for you. I, it wasn't my favorite song but that line like just one touch from from god and it, and certainly for you it, it's like Everything in that moment, there, there was such a radical shift for you. Yes. So let's just uh, bring it forward a little bit. Obviously, at some point, you met Tracy, yes. your your wonderful wife. How did, how did you meet Tracy? Uh, so in 2001, um, I came over to um, the United Kingdom to study uh, computer networking. Uh, I was um, living in London, North London at the time. And uh, I thought it was time to look for a partner. I don't know why that was the right time, but it was. I believe it was God's timing. So I decided to try internet dating. Oh. <laughs> so we, we met uh, online. Um, we met on a Christian dating site. Um, and strangely enough, when we met, uh, we actually didn't initially talk about dating. 
because I saw Tracy's profile and I think she was talking about going to Africa. One of her dreams was going to do ministry in Africa. Oh. And that is where we started from. So I was telling her about ministry in Africa and the opportunities that are available. And one thing led to another. And uh, here we are, nearly 20 years later, we are married. Brilliant. And so um, this is really nothing to do with knowing God, but I'm just intrigued. First date when you like when you actually met. Yes. Where was that? It was at London Bridge. Ah. Uh, I think she had been told by by her friends to be uh, a bit cautious meeting <laughs> public places because you don't want to meet somebody who is going to. <laughs> And I think that was really so. We met at the London Bridge and uh, went off to uh, Buckingham Palace and places. Oh. And I ended up taking up to uh, a family that I that that welcomed me to their home the first time I went to church in the United Kingdom. I met them like two weeks after I'd been here, Brian and Diane. And so I thought I'll just take this lady to meet uh, Trace. And so yeah, it was a lovely, lovely day. Oh, that sounds good. Did she have her backup emergency phone call for in case everything went wrong? I think yeah, she has. She she had two good friends, Karen and uh, somebody else, who were on expe- waiting anxiously yeah, on the other yeah. side of the of the phone. Yes, just in case. Well, you got to, haven't you? You've got to. Yes. So um, you're in this country. You uh, you become a police officer or pick that back up having done that in Uganda yes and um, I, I I've known a few police officers over my time and one of the greatest challenges they seem to face mm. is they see a lot of rough stuff nasty stuff if you like the the darkest sides of humanity mm. they seem to see mm. and you are seeing all that with this changed heart and changed mindset because you are you are walking in a relationship with God. So what difference has knowing God made to you as a police officer? Um, it has been remarkably significant in the fact that if you ask the people that I've worked with, they will tell you that I am the most laid-back, relaxed person that you'll ever find in this job when everyone else is flapping around and crying and doing all sorts of things, I remain so relaxed. And as part of my work with God, uh, it's something that I picked on early on in, uh, in my relationship with God is that I do daily devotions, so uh, daily bread, word for today those those are the ones that I've, i have on my phone and i've had those for years so first thing when i wake up in the morning i read uh, those daily devotions and i can only say honestly say that um reading those bits the number of times you face a situation and God used the scripture that you read in the morning, which was either a word of encouragement or talking about the peace of God amidst, you know, trying circumstances. You face a situation where you potentially, you know, you should be either, you know, losing your temper or being worried or getting anxious. And that mm. scripture just drops in your heart and you remember that. And you say, Lord, 
please help me. Just like you help that person whose testimony I read this morning and you feel that sense of peace once again. So it has been a key, key factor in, in, in uh, coping with the stress uh, that you find in, in, in a public service job, really. And so God is um, a God of justice, would yeah. you agree? Yes, I do. <clears throat> okay. And would you all say, also say um, that God is a, a long posh word, omniscient, basically knows, knows everything, sees everything? Yes. Okay. So God is into justice and he knows everything. Yes. So therefore, every crime that over the many, many years you have looked to solve and bring people to justice, yes. God must have known not only what actually happened, but what the intentions of people's hearts were, etc. Yes. Have there been any instances or, yeah, have there been any instances of of you, basically God telling you, done it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will honestly say I haven't had, say, a moment where I've investigated a crime and I didn't know who had done it and then God went, this is the person. Um, it could be maybe due to the nature of, 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 of work that I've done because I worked mostly in CID where I dealt with people who were already in custody and on the occasional time when they weren't in custody there was a named offender. Uh, Jeffrey comes to the police and says Chris has assaulted me so we know who he is. But I can certainly say but there were times when um, you looked at a case, certainly when I went into the fraud department, you, where God helped me. And to put that into context, probably let me just give you uh, a, a case which has already gone through courts and, and within that you will see yeah. how God has played a part. Yeah. So... The work with God, most people who know me always say how, you know, God has been faithful and how things have worked out for me, retiring early. But the work with God certainly comes sometimes with challenges. And for me, the hardest challenge in my life was, um, came in May, 17th May, 2019. So I was dealing with a case uh, involving a guy who stole money from over 200 and 250 people. So he would say to them he was selling cars to them, set up websites which were all fake and end up stealing over 1.5 million from all these 200. So you're dealing with yeah. so many victims, yeah. people who yeah. have taken out loans. It was awful. And dealing with that case came with a lot of pressure in trying to uh, put together a case file, take it to court, find him guilty, find the money, and all that. And there came a time when the pressure became too much. Uh, And I had a nervous breakdown. Now, the reason I give you that testimony is to just to, to highlight the fact that, yes, God helps us, but there are times when things go wrong. And on this occasion, it really went wrong. Yeah. Uh, The people in my circle... Um, were very helpful. They were praying for me. And when I talk about a nervous breakdown, for four nights, I never tested. 
sleep. You know, you woke up in the morning. Oh my goodness. Uh, yes. Uh, your heart racing, uh, your mind like, thinking about a thousand things at the same time. And I remember walking into the office on the 4th, that would have been on the 20th of May uh, 2019. And uh, my acting sergeant at the time looking at me once and she said, go home and don't come back until you see your GT. It was that bad. So I come home and go and see my GP and um, ring other people. And basically I was diagnosed with severe anxiety, severe depression. And that, which, without a doubt, has been my hardest, the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with. Yeah, so for four yeah. nights without sleeping. So remember the GP, uh, after being diagnosed with severe anxiety and depression, uh, prescribing sleeping tablets for two weeks, but they came with a caution. They are quite addictive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So make sure that you don't, <clears throat> you don't, you don't use them for all for 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 all for the two weeks. So I remember coming home and I said to God, I really don't want to be addicted to these tablets. So this is Monday, the fourth day and night without sleep. I took the first tablet and it knocked me out <laughs> for the whole night. So I slept. Uh, the next night I took the tablet and it didn't work. The next one it didn't work. So it <laughs> wow. So that is, uh, it was answered prayer for me. And uh, I remember sharing with the circle uh, and people praying for me. Um, over the years, I'd learned to rely on the word of God, claiming scripture. But for a long period of time, that anxiety was always there. The heart racing and feeling um, really awful. And I remember this one night when I did say to God, I'm going to read your word. I'm going to believe your scripture. And I've done this for I don't know for how long. But on this night, I read the scripture. I think it's Psalm 127, verse 4, I believe, which says that God gives sleep to his beloved. I remember sitting in my lounge and reading that scripture and thinking, yes, I am going to take that scripture and believe it. And um, I went to bed, put my head down, I almost like fell asleep for maybe seconds, woke up and I was awake and my heart is racing. And that was the moment when I said to God, um, I know that you answer prayer. And I know that sometimes you answer instantly and sometimes you do take your time for whatever reason. But I just want you to help me. Now, to, to give you a bit of a background, when you have anxiety, you are so sensitive to sound. So we'd had this problem with uh, the cold water tank leaking. And on that day, it seemed as if it was like somebody was hitting a hammer, heavy on something metallic. It was yeah. awful. It was so irritating, that sound. And I remember saying to God, do one thing, just stop that 
water leaking. And I will know. Even if I don't get healed instantly, I will know that I will be healed. And instantly, that water stopped. In that moment, I knew without a doubt that again, I've had another encounter with God. Just to give you a bit of a background, of course, this water had been running. We had brought in some uh, engineers from British Gas. They looked at about three of them and they hadn't resolved the problem. So when I prayed and asked God for that and it stopped, there was no doubt. <laughs> it wasn't a coincidence. And two weeks later, after being off sick, I went back to work, which was a miracle in itself. Because when people go off sick with uh, stress and anxiety and have a nervous breakdown, from what I was told by my sergeant, who has been a sergeant for such a long time, he said, I can't believe you're back. And so he asked me what had done. I told him about the testimony. He wasn't, an, he's a, he, he wasn't a believer, but he said, you know what? I don't believe in God. But today I know that there is a God. So that has been my experience. But to take you back to the, to, to the question that you asked, and this is very important about how God helped me. So fast forward, it was just, I think, two weeks after I'd gone back, the trial for that case of the guy who stole the money started. And when that trial started, I was still recovering from, from the effects of anxiety. And um, when we deal with cases, you, I don't want to bore you with the details, but it's very important that I explain this bit because then it will make sense how... Please do, yeah. Yeah how God intervened in this case. So you have what you, you produce the evidence that shows that this man has committed this offense, but then you have other pieces that you collect, which you don't use as evidence, which you have to put on a schedule, which you have to disclose to the defense, because you never know. It might help them for their, for their part of the case, although it doesn't help yours. And so there came a time when the case almost reached a deadlock, and the members of the jury were asking for this particular piece that probably would be the last piece of the jigsaw and I didn't have it. Uh, the members of the jury wanted it. The judge was asking for it. The defense obviously was smelling blood now thinking if he can't produce it, the case is going to collapse. And uh, I remember going into the into uh, lunch break and saying to God, you've got to do something. You've got to do something here. And so we, we go back in the afternoon and uh, I remember the defense asking a question directly about what was done when we went to this person's house. And it turns out that there was a piece of paperwork that one of my colleagues had written about uh, that, that day, which wasn't part of the evidence which I wasn't even aware that existed because it wasn't in the material that we had, we had not used for the case. But as, as a result of that, I was sent away, looked for something, trying to drove this problem, and we came out with this piece. And it turned out that was the, <laughs> the missing piece of the jigsaw pass, which resolved the case and brought a conviction for that particular person. What is key normally in a case like that it, that bringing that piece 
which is not part of the evidence and part of the unused material which I had not disclosed, it would usually cause the case to collapse because the defense would be saying, what else were you, were you hiding? I remember the defense counsel standing up in court and saying, a case of this magnitude, we are not going to beat up this police officer. He's done a magnific magnificent job. He's done a really, really good job. So it's understandable. And in that moment, I saw the goodness and greatness of God because the defense don't do that. No. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> so yes, I know it's been a long and winded explanation, but that is one moment no, when I've seen wonderful. God helping me to solve a case in a Crown Court and bring a conviction. That's amazing. But those days are now behind you. Yes. They, they are done. Yes. <clears throat> so... Uh, in uh, only a couple of months, you are leaving these shores. Yes. Uh, just tell us a bit about what you're doing, where you're going. So um, come the beginning of, of November, we will be going back to Uganda um, to live <laughs> there. Um, and the plan so we've built ourselves a house or a couple of houses. Um, yeah, I've seen some of the photos. <laughs> it's, they're looking great. Yes, really and the plan is to um, just take it easy. But more importantly, we're going to be involved in ministry. Uh, we believe God has called us in that part of the world to minister to, to people in, in various forms. It might not be starting up a church, but maybe involved in a church. But we intend to um, to help break the cycle of poverty. Yes. <laughs> and yes. whilst doing that, also minister the grace and love of God. Uh, we've been uh, privileged uh, we, uh, to be a part of this, this church yeah, where we, over the is it four years, we've been here nearly five. We've, we, we've uh, seen you know how living your life and and practically you know telling people how much they are loved and how God cares and we believe to take that on to Uganda by starting a project uh, where we we buy goats and give them to families so that they can get milk from it and you know sell the goats to be able to educate their children and buy stuff that they need so that is what we believe uh, we're going to do to start with. So you're having goats. I think I spoke to Tracy. Did you mention chickens as well? Yes, yes. Is, is that, <laughs> so any other animals? Any alpacas? Any lions? Like what else have you got going on over there, Jeff? Uh, no, it's just going to be the goats. Definitely, we that is for for us and for ministry. The chicken is for us uh, and uh, for for our guests. The other side of the ministry we're going to, we believe, we want, we believe God is calling us to do is uh, create a space for ministers. Uh, so people like yourselves, pastors, preachers, people need a rest. You know, it's nice to be on the go all the time, but we believe God is calling us to create a space for people to come on holiday, relax. We cook for you, we feed you, and you come back, you know, relaxed and with batteries recharged and ready to go again. Uh, it does sound pretty amazing. 
Um, and for the benefit of the listeners, I have actually been in communication with Tracy, Jeff's wife, over the last few days. We've had a few conversations saying, oh, shall we? Shall we go? And we've been talking to our girls. Um, we have two just preteen girls who are, are there snakes? Are there spiders? <laughs> are they going to be like crocodiles who just come and eat you at night? And like, no, I don't think so, but I'll check on some of those things. So we uh, we definitely are seriously considering coming out um, and spending some time with you. And of course, our uh, our dear friend, uh, Nicola Neal of Every Life, uh, one of their bases is about an hour up the road from you, hour, hour and a half in Kampala. So we may be looking to do some kind of a um, a combined trip. So you leave these shores then in, what is that, eight weeks or something? Yeah. Have you got flights booked? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> Not yet booked. But and you uh, pack your stuff up, it goes in a what, shipping container? How did it get over there? Uh, we did get a foot container uh, where we'll put you know, the car and some of our belongings. And then that takes about six weeks okay. to get to Uganda. So it will be maybe two weeks before we actually fly out when we'll be putting that on a container and shipping it over to Uganda. Wow. That is uh, it, such an exciting adventure. I mean, what a complete adventure. And certainly for Tracy, who's never lived out there. Obviously, she's visited, I would assume. Has she a few times? Yes, she, she has been about three times. Um, the first time she, she cried almost for a week. Not because she hated it, uh, but it's just the poverty and yeah. how the children lived. But strangely enough, the kids over there weren't, you know, they they weren't worried or they they were happy and they were celebrating Tracer being there, dancing and singing for her and for her she was in tears. But in the second week, she kind of, you know, realized that actually these kids don't know any different. They're happy mm. where they are mm. and they, they feel blessed. So... Yeah, the, on the subsequent occasions when we've got, she, she's had a really good time and she's looking forward to, I believe. Well, we um, here at Asher Vineyard, we have loved uh, having you and Tracy as part of what's going on here and the family here. And even though you're going off to Uganda, we <clears throat> we really hope to keep in touch. We would love some updates from you as well, just so that we can uh, we can see a bit of what's going on, and we want to be able to celebrate with you when you give away your first goat. Uh, I believe that's a good thing to do. Yes, of course, of course, we'll keep you updated. <laughs> uh, indeed, um, and of course, the theme of this podcast is is really about knowing God. So, I mean, we would we would love it if you could. There'll be some people listening who do know God and have just been so encouraged by your story. Um, and there'll be some people listening who maybe don't know God and think, well, I bit bit like you said you were. You're like, Jesus, who needs Jesus, you know? And I would just love if you could just pray for us. Mm. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Love to. So, Father in heaven, we want to thank you because you're such a good, good father. And regardless of where we are at in our lives, whether we do know you or we don't, in my case, I didn't know you, but you came searching me for me and find, found me right in my bed and you saved me. Father, I pray this morning for those who are listening to this podcast, 
wherever they are at in their lives, the circumstances that they face, I pray that you would meet them right where they are at. Those who need healing, Lord, I pray that you stretch forth your hand and heal them. And those who need intervention with addiction, I know your word says you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. The very way you helped me to break addiction to alcohol, Father, I pray that you will come through for someone this morning or whenever they listen to this podcast and just break that cycle of addiction, in the name of Jesus. Yes, God. Father, I thank you for healing me from anxiety and depression, severe anxiety and depression. Thank you, God. And even when I prayed and I said, just do this one thing. Father, for somebody out there who has suffered from severe anxiety, depression, whatever mental health they've gone through, Father, I pray that you would come through for them and bring complete and total healing in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you all the praise. Yes. Give you all the glory and all the adoration in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, amen. Amen, amen. Amen. And thank you so much, Jeff, for uh, coming in today, just spending some time with us. It's been, honestly, it's been great. Uh, There's so many more questions I could ask you, but we are a little bit out of time, but... Um, And to you at home or in your car or wherever you are listening to this, thank you so much for joining us again on the Knowing God podcast. And listen, if there is anything you would love prayer for, if you have been really impacted by what you have heard today or you would like to ask further questions, any communication you'd like to email me. I know email is a little bit old school these days, but email me. It's chris at ashfordvineyard.org. We would love to hear from you. Um, And we have a very exciting episode coming up for episode three, which is we spoke about her earlier, Nicola Neal from Every Life uh, International. As it happens, one of the places she works is out in Uganda, and we will be speaking to her next time. But until then, God bless you, and we will see you again very soon.